This is a podcast by The Straits Times. This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now the crisis on India's Himalayan border with China is escalating. To put this in perspective, it has been decades since the two armies actually clashed. But since 2012 and twice in the last three years alone, India has been surprised by China edging into what India considers its territory. And this has been taking place in multiple places in uh, along the long line of actual control, the LAC, which to be exact is over 4,000 kilometers long. Now, in just a few months, there has been a physical clash in Ladakh without using firearms, which nevertheless left at least 20 Indian soldiers dead. There was very likely a death toll on the China side as well, but we don't know how many uh, dead dead they, uh, they suffered. Then just days ago, as India beefed up its forces on the heights around Pangongso Lake, it got to a point where both sides apparently actually fired warning shots. Since then, negotiations between local commanders have apparently not gone well. And remember, winter is just around the corner. What then? Will the two militaries continue to maneuver for advantage through winter? Or is winter the cooling off that one actually needs? Today, we are joined by Dr. Aparna Pandey, Research Fellow and Director of the Initiative on the Future of India and South Asia at the Hudson Institute here in DC. And from Beijing by my colleague, Straits Times Global Affairs Correspondent, Benjamin Kang Lim, who has reported on China and Taiwan for almost four decades now, I believe. Thanks for joining us. Can you both hear me loud and clear? Yes. Uh, thank you, Nirmal. Pleasure. Yes, I can hear you, Nirmal. Excellent. Now, Aparna, if I may start with you. On September 7th, you wrote, and I quote, China has a win-win game plan. Could you, can you explain that, please? Sure. Um, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on Asian Insider. Um, the, so what has happened in the last four, I mean, eight years, as you mentioned, uh, this is the fourth time that China has taken India unaware. Um, and this is some, and this is a, a sort of, let's say, a tried and tested policy of Beijing, which is first instigate a border conflict, uh, then sort of indulge in saber rattling, display aggression, uh, blame the other country, uh, for actually starting the conflict and in effect sort of force the democracy, the other country, to believe that the only way out is to avoid war and therefore go to the negotiation table. Uh, drag the negotiations on for months at end and in the end um, sort of China ends up with sort of you know very often eight to ten kilometers, sometimes three to five kilometers more. So China ends up with more territory, it doesn't surrender a single inch of what it has taken. Uh, but the other side, in this case, India believes it's avoided war. And that's what China has done for the last eight years and even in previous times. So China's, and, and the, and the perception is that China's intent is actually to gain territory. Yes, every time. Um, Sort of, you know, each of the last few incidents, uh, China has gained territory. Even this time, China has gained between eight to fifteen kilometers in different locations. Um, sort of in 2017 in Doklam, uh, China sort of is still where it was at that time, despite the few months were a standoff. So China gains territory. India believes it's retained China's friendship and used diplomacy to avoid a conflict. Okay, so Ben, there has been a suggestion that China is engaging in these operations on the LAC 
to distract from troubles and tensions within China. Some people have said this. Now, how valid is this view? And can you elaborate a bit for us on what we know of internal political dynamics in China and whether that is a factor? Uh, thanks, Nirmal. Um, uh, China, for China, it's unlikely that they deliberately triggered the clash, right? Uh, amid worsening relations with the US, the last thing China needs at this juncture is more enemies. Uh, China has a policy of not throwing the first punch, uh, but China has been coy about uh, revealing scant details about casualties, right? From, from China's point of view, it's uh, Chinese territory. Uh, but China is uh, paranoid and sees India as a stalking horse of the US, right? India, of course, has, uh, says it has an independent foreign policy, but China is unconvinced. And after Trump visited India, China thinks that uh, Washington and Delhi are in bed, uh, especially after Trump's uh, February visit to India. So China has this policy, you say, of not throwing the first punch. But if you look at, for example, the South China Sea, I mean, for many years now, they have been creating fates, fate accompli. I hate to go back to the South China Sea, but let me push back on that a bit. I mean, they've been creating faith accompli in the South China Sea. That's not throwing punches, but it still remains creating a faith accompli, right? Right. Uh, uh, but like you said, it's not throwing the first punch because from China's point of view, it's uh, China's maritime territory. It's uh, China's maritime sovereignty. And so when China was... Uh, uh, building, you know, or uh, building islands, you know, reclamation in the South China Sea. Uh, oh. From China's point of view, it's not throwing a punch. It's not firing the first right. shot. Okay, so Aparna, back to you now. Uh, interesting, the, the U.S. angle. Now, what are India's options? There is this view in China that India is hand in glove with the U.S. Of course, India and the U.S. are not formal treaty allies, but they have an increasingly close strategic partnership. China has a close strategic partnership with Pakistan, as we know. India worries about a two-front war. Is India fighting this alone? Um, in some ways, on the Himalayan border, India is fighting it alone. Uh, but I would say it's not totally alone as, you know, uh, the, the military equipment uh, India has support from France, uh, Israel, um, even Russia, um, and other countries from and the U.S., uh, Plus, there has been intelligence coordination um, between U.S. And, and India for some years now, including uh, both at Doklam and in 2020. And I would actually push back a little bit, uh, you know, on, the, on this notion that, you know, India is getting closer to Washington and that is why China is doing this. Um, the India-China border dispute goes back decades to 1950s uh, when India was non-aligned. Uh, even during the Bandung conference and the heyday of Hindi-Chini and India-China brothers. Um, and 1962 occurred when India was, was, was non-aligned. It was neither with the US nor with the Soviet Union. So I believe that, you know, sort of um, the China-India border dispute doesn't have to do with who is Indian, who is India's ally. It has to do with how China views India and views territory which it, it, which it claims is Chinese and how India believes that territory is India's. 
Right. So, Ben, back to you. How important is India to China? I mean, we see a lot of saber rattling in the Chinese state media. And uh, as you said, China doesn't want to make more enemies. So, if that, all that is true, then how far do you think China will actually go on the border issue? And because it does risk diverting attention and resources from other areas, right? Right. Uh, the um, territorial integrity or is one of China's uh, is China's core interests. And so even though China, I think, wants good relations with its neighbors amid uh, worsening relations with the U.S., uh, territorial integrity is a core issue. Uh, India is important to China, not just as a market, but India has a huge population and a young one for that matter. Uh, but uh, China and India's relations go uh, a long way back, right? Uh, they have uh, been uh, engaging each other for centuries now. And in Chinese, you know, there's a saying, there's a saying in Chinese that better a close neighbor than a distant relative. And India is a close neighbor, right? Um, Indian, Indian culture uh, has... Um, is widespread in China. Uh, Buddhism originated in India and is practiced widely in China. Uh, many Chinese practice yoga. Uh, Gandhi, of course, is looked up to. And then, of course, you have the uh, poet, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly, correctly, Tagore or Tagore. Uh -huh. uh, and Tagore. then the Chinese were born in the uh, 50s or 60s. They grew up watching Indian movies, right? So... Uh, there's a lot of goodwill, uh, but of course, the, that's the people-to-people -people part. The government has a different, I think, uh, for the government, territorial in integrity is different. It's a different issue. Aparna, uh, as I said at the top, winter is, uh, you know, just a few weeks away. Now, traditionally in winter, forces kind of can't do much given those you know killer temperatures at killer altitudes and so forth but we saw a precedent in Kargil you know when um, when uh, commandos uh, made uh, inroads during the winter and surprised the Indians and there was actually a border war and the risk of a wider conflict including a nuclear war and you know at that time even the US had to step in Bill Clinton at the, at the time I remember had to step in what is going to happen, do you think, in winter in this uh, theater, in the high-altitude Himalayas? Because it's very expensive to, to maintain troops and do anything in, in winter. But do you think both armies will try and the PLA and the Indian Army will try and maneuver for some advantage? Uh, yes, I do. And I think we saw that this past weekend. Um, the incident which happened uh, in Pangong Lake was basically Indian troops taking heights which they haven't taken in decades. Uh, and this uh -huh. was to preempt uh, the PLA taking those heights. Um, sort of, you know, yes, winter is coming, but we should not forget uh -huh. that the 1962 war was fought in October of 1962. So we sort of, we, we do have a few months left to uh -huh. see how this year is going to go. But I do believe that both sides will dig in they will try and get the heights and, you know, the access they can and then just sit there for the rest of the year till next spring because they're going to be scared that if they don't occupy the heights, the other side will do it. Um, so it's going to be expensive, especially for India, uh, but even so for China. But they're going to stay there uh, right till spring of next year. 
I hope that, uh, that there are no further clashes, but, but given the stakes for both sides, uh, I won't rule out clashes in the, in the coming week or month. So that was my next question to you, actually, on, on, a, on a probability scale of 0 to 10. How worried about you, uh, how worried are you about uh, a clash or worse clashes before everything sort of calms down uh, in winter? So um, up till now, the advantage we've had is that, you know, I mean, they haven't used weapons, right? Uh, the first time mm -hmm. was sort of, you know, makeshift weapons which were used, uh, rods which had barbed wire. Um, this past weekend, it was, you know, both sides fired in the air and they had sticks, but they didn't actually fire at each other. So yes, lives mm -hmm. have been lost, but they haven't actually used ammunition. Um, mm -hmm. If they use ammunition uh, and there's an actual conflict, then it'll be after 1975, almost four decades later, that would ra raise the stakes for both sides. Uh, it is possible, um, sort of, so I would not rule it out. Um, I do believe that neither side will really want to escalate it too far up the ladder, um, but sort of, you know, allowing your troops to be armed and allowing them to have ammunition means that the next time around they may shoot at the other side rather than firing in the air. Uh -huh. So there's a considerable uh, potential for escalation, actually, yes. if they cross that threshold. Absolutely. And they are edging towards it. I mean, the warning shots. Yeah. Ben, in yeah. China... Is there a, is there, is there a um, sort of um, feeling in China that the situation has to be de-escalated? I mean, they had, they, they had talks in Moscow recently, but nothing much transpired. And there has been no progress on the ground between unit commanders actually on site. But is there a general perception in China that this has to be de-escalated? Right. Uh, like... Um... Earlier, I was saying that uh, because of the, uh, the, the worsening relations with the U.S., uh, I don't think China wants to escalate this, right? Uh, but uh, looking at things right now, I don't think um, there will be, um, you know, uh, the de-escalation anytime soon. Uh, it's going to be a standoff. Okay, well, I suppose the best that we can hope for, given the circumstances, is a standoff while... Yeah. more talks go on um, and then hopefully winter will sort of freeze the status quo uh, you know pun is that pun is unintentional but uh, yeah i suppose that we have to hope for that thank you very much dr pandey dr parna pandey and benjamin in beijing thank you very much for joining us today on asian insider appreciate your time the way things stand on the Himalayan border between India and China, there is actually a greater risk of a wider conflict breaking out there than in any other place, including the South China Sea and the Taiwan Strait. So what happens in the Himalayas is going to be very closely watched and with some anxiety until China and India actually get back to meaningful talks and come to some kind of uh, agreement or modus vivendi out there. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.